The last king of the house of Wessex was the son of King Ethelred the Unready and his wife Emma of Normandy. He was the king's seventh son and the first of Ethelred's new wife, Emma. Born around the year 1003, his childhood was one of fear and uncertainty as the Viking raids which targeted England would eventually remove his family from their seat of power. By the year 1013, Swain Falkbeard had claimed the throne of England, forcing Emma of Normandy to flee to safety with her sons, Edward and Alfred. Edward spent much of his early life living in exile in France, as his family was driven away by Danish rule. When his father Ethelred passed away in the year 1016, it was left to Edward's half-brother, known as Edmund Ironside, to continue the fight against Danish aggression in England, this time facing the imposing threat from Swain's son Canute. Edmund would fight back-to-back -back battles against Canute and his Viking forces in order to retain his father's throne. Eventually, Canute and Edmund would set aside their differences and divide the kingdom between them. However, Edmund would die shortly after, either from his wounds in battle or from an assassination plot. This allowed Canute to become the king of all England, and with Edward being of royal stock, he and his siblings were forced into exile. Edward's older brother Edwig was killed on the orders of Canute, and after this, Edward knew he could never return home. To complicate matters even more, Edward's own mother, Emma of Normandy, would marry Canute in the year 1017. Edward spent his formative years living in exile in France. It is believed he spent much time in Normandy, where he lived the lifestyle of nobility. However, the young Edward lacked his mother's affection, as she greatly favoured her other son Hearthcanute, the son of Canute the Great. Emma's ambition for her Danish son meant Edward would never see the throne, but fate would work in mysterious ways. By the year 1035, Canute had died, and his son with Emma, Hearthcanute, assumed the role as King of Denmark. At the time, he had been largely preoccupied with events in Denmark, and he had failed to lay claim to the throne of England. This left a royal role vacant for his elder half-brother Harold Harefoot, who was the son of Canute by his first wife, Ed Gifu of Northampton. A year later, probably fearing their mother was losing her grasp on power at the hands of Harold Harefoot, Edward and Alfred received invitations to go to England from Emma. Regrettably for Alfred, this visit would seal his downfall, as he was quickly captured by Godwin the Earl of Wessex, who handed him over to Harold, where he met his grisly fate. Alfred suffered a horrific death. He was blinded with red-hot pokers, and was then left to die. Edward quickly returned to Normandy. However, by the year 1040, Harold Harefoot would mysteriously die, and Hearthcanute would assume the English throne. In 1041, Hearthcanute invited his half-brother Edward to England back from exile in Normandy, and made him his heir. By 1042, Hearthcanute attended a wedding, and reportedly died while drinking, convulsing on the floor. His death was either alcohol-related, or he was poisoned. With Hearthcanute's death, 
the line of Swain Forkbeard and Canute the Great was extinguished. This marked the end of over two decades of Viking rule of England, beginning when Swain took it in the year 1013. Edward, now known to history as Edward the Confessor, being the seventh son of Ethelred, against all the odds, became the King of England, after over twenty years in exile. To the east, another prince that had had everything taken from them was Harold Sigurdsson, now known to history as Harold Hardrada. He was born in Ringerike in Norway in 1015 to Sigurd Sir. Sigurd was a petty king of Ringerike and was amongst the strongest and wealthiest chieftains in the uplands. He was descended from the line of the first king of Norway, Harold Fairhair. During the 9th century, Norway was many small kingdoms, but by the end of the century, Fairhair managed to subjugate and conquer all of these kingdoms, creating the unified country of Norway. The alliance came apart after Harold Fairhair's death. The Isles of Laid and various descendants of Fairhair would spend the next century interlocked in feuds over power. In the year 1000, Svein Hakonarsson and Erik Hakonarsson of Laid took control over Norway, being supported by the Danish king Swain Forkbeard. However, after Forkbeard's death in England in the year 1014, Erik joined his brother-in-law and Forkbeard's son Canute the Great in his campaign to conquer England. As a result, Danish rule in Norway folded and power was assumed by Olaf Haraldsson, a throne claimant from the Harold Fairhair family line and Harold Hardrada's older brother. Olaf would start out in his home in Ringerike, where he would become accepted as king. Not long after, he would be acknowledged as king all over southeastern Norway. After the death of Olaf Tryggvason, Norway had been divided into a Swedish part and a Danish part. The rest of the country was under the rule of petty kings and earls, and soon enough, Olaf would find himself in battle. Swain Hakonarsson was ruling the Swedish part of Norway, and learned that Olaf was rallying support in eastern Norway. Once Olaf had gathered his forces, he would begin his trip northwards to confront Swain. On the 25th of March in the year 1016, their fleets would clash, resulting in the Battle of Nesjar. Few accounts of the battle have survived, however, it is generally regarded that the battle was fierce and had a lot of casualties. None of the major players were killed, however, Swain Hakonarsson was chased off, thus relinquishing his grip on power, and retreated to Sweden, making the road easier for Olaf to unite Norway. Olaf then annihilated the petty kings of the south, subdued the aristocracy, and conducted a successful raid in Denmark. Olaf then sailed north to Halogaland and was accepted as king of the northmost part of Norway. At only 22 years of age, Olaf was king of all Norway, just like his ancestor, Harald Fairhair. This was a transitional period for Norway, with many of its people turning away from their pagan beliefs of old and turning to a new god. Along the coast, many people were Christian, but inland, in the countryside, people still worshipped the old Norse gods. 
In 1024, Christianity was accepted as the official faith in Norway, with the old Norse gods fading from this world. Olaf would make Christian law the law of the land, which would become very unpopular to many, especially the ruling class. Canute the Great, now the ruler of Denmark and England, would soon set his eyes towards Norway and wanted to add the country to his empire. Canute would bribe Olaf's nobles and would promise to grant them their old way of life if they agreed for him to become king. They would gladly accept and in the year 1028, Canute would arrive in Norway with a large fleet. He was accepted by the earls and chieftains as king and didn't even have to fight a single battle. Olaf would flee the country and went to Novgorod in Russia to the court of King Yaroslav where he stayed for two years. King Canute had his base in England and went back there to rule his new lands. Canute would now be known to history as Canute the Great, being the King of Denmark, England and Norway. He left an earl in charge of Norway, but in 1029 he would die, and his first wife, El Gifu of Northampton, would go on to govern the country. Once Olaf heard of the earl's death, he would make his way home at the head of an army. Olaf was supported by the Swedish king Anud Jacob, who wanted to weaken Canute's power and provided Olaf with 400 men and guides that would lead him through Sweden to Norway. On hearing news of Olaf's planned return, his younger brother Harald, who was around 15 at this point, gathered 600 men from the uplands to meet Olaf and his men upon their arrival in the east of Norway. After a friendly welcome, Olaf went on to gather an army and eventually to fight in the Battle of Stickelstad on the 29th of July in the year 1030, in which Harald took part on his brother Olaf's side. According to saga sources, Olaf would go into battle with his gilded helmet and his white shield with a holy cross painted on it in red. The battle was described as bloody, with many men falling from both sides. King Olaf would fight alongside his best men who carried his banner. He fought in the front lines and is even described in the sagas as stepping forward out of the shield wall into the vanguard of the formation and would engage in hand-to-hand -hand combat with the enemy. Olaf is recorded to have wounded and killed many soldiers, but in the heat of battle, Olaf would receive an axe wound to the knee, causing him to lean against a stone. Another man would then thrust through his belly with a spear, and finally, a sword would slash into the side of his neck, killing him. He is now remembered to history as Saint Olaf due to his deeds in life. The battle resulted in a defeat for the brothers Olaf and Harald. They had been beaten by the army of Canute the Great. Olaf was killed, while Harald was badly wounded. The young Harald had proved that he was born to be a warrior, fighting at only 15 years old. But he was forced to go into exile, as remaining in Norway would mean a death sentence for him. After the battle, Harald would go into hiding, and he hid in a remote farm in eastern Norway. He would stay there for a considerable amount of time, in order to heal from his wounds. Once he recovered, he went north over the mountains to Sweden, 
he soon arrived at Kievan Rus. Harold was welcomed by the Grand Prince Yaroslav the Wise, whose wife was a distant relative of Harold's. Yaroslav was in need of generals and leaders, and he recruited a young Harold into his service, as he was brimming with potential. He was strong, ruthless, and wise beyond his years. Harold would take part in campaigns against the Poles in 1031, and would travel across icy vast terrain, and was becoming stronger and more experienced by the day. Harold wanted to see more of the world, as he now had no home. He couldn't return to Norway, as Canute would have him killed. So after a few years in Kievan Rus, Harold decided to take his men to Constantinople, the capital of the Eastern Roman Empire. Harold had never seen such a city, with it being the largest and wealthiest city in Europe. Nothing in the world at the time compared to its beauty, and Harold would marvel in its magnificence. He and his men would join the Varangian Guard, who were an elite unit of the Byzantine army. The members would also serve as personal bodyguards to the Byzantine Emperor. Harold would see a lot of action in the battlefield during this time. He fought Arab pirates in the Mediterranean Sea. He took part in campaigns that stretched as far east as the Tigris River, where he took part in the capture of many Arab strongholds. He would even go to Jerusalem to fight, as he would protect pilgrims against bandits on orders of the Emperor. From the icy north, Harold had journeyed to the scorching and sandy Middle East. Since he was exiled, he had to make his own way in life, and carved his name into legend. In 1038, Harold joined the Byzantine army in their expedition to Sicily, in order to retake the island from the Muslim Saracens. Harold captured four towns in Sicily, conveying his strong military tactics. He fought further battles, as in 1041, there was a revolt in southern Italy. Harold would also be sent to fight in Bulgaria in the Battle of Ostrovo. By this time, he was now a battle-hardened war veteran, having seen a lot of the known world at the time. However, in his mind, he wondered what was happening in Norway. During Harold's time serving in the Byzantine army, he fought in 18 major battles and hundreds of skirmishes. Nevertheless, although he possessed unwavering loyalty, he still fell out of favour in the imperial court after the death of Emperor Michael IV. There was now a state of uncertainty and turmoil in the empire, as there were conflicts between the new emperor, Michael V, and the Empress Zoe. During this time, Harold was arrested and imprisoned. During a revolt, Harold's men and many others in the Varangian Guard were still loyal to him, and they helped their general escape from imprisonment. The Varangian Guard made their way to the royal palace, led by Harold, and he dragged the new emperor out of his sanctuary, Harold then blinded the Emperor himself, enraged that his service could lead to his imprisonment. The new Emperor was then exiled and was sent to a monastery. During Harold's time in the East, he had become extremely rich and saved a lot of his wealth. He would send shipments of gold to Yaroslav the Wise for safekeeping, 
This was the man he had served in Kievan Rus. Once Empress Zoe was restored to the throne, Harold would ask for leave, and if he could retire from her service. He was refused, being too valuable to let go. Harold realising that his destiny was no longer in Constantinople, escaped with some of his loyal men, and then made his way to Kievan Rus. The year is now 1042, and Harold would marry Yaroslav's daughter, Elizabeth. Harold was now an extremely wealthy, battle-hardened warrior, and would plan to retake what his brother Olaf died attempting, the throne of Norway. During Harold's absence, Canute the Great had died, and his North Sea Empire died with him. The Norwegian crown had passed to Magnus the Good, who was the son of Harold's older fallen brother Olaf. However, Harold had ambition to be king after over a decade in exile, and he would begin his war against Magnus by raiding the Danish coast. News quickly came to Magnus's ears, and he being abroad at the time, then returned to Norway with the entirety of his army. A young Magnus was recommended by his advisers to not fight the battle-hardened Harold, even though he himself was hungry for more land. He knew his uncle Harold would be a terrible foe, so an agreement was set in place. In 1046, a compromise was reached in which Harold and Magnus would co-rule Norway. During the time that Harthacanute was the king of Denmark, Magnus would raise an army to invade. However, the Jarls of both countries brought the kings together, and they would make a peace, and agreed that the first of them to die would succeed the other. In the year 1042, Harthacanute died while in England, and Magnus would become the king of Denmark. The political agreement between Harthacanute and Magnus the Good included the appointment of the latter as heir to Harthacanute. At the time, the agreement would only have affected the throne of Denmark, but the Hemskringla saga reports that when Harthacanute died, Magnus extended his claim to England. He reportedly sent a letter to Edward the Confessor, pressing his claim to the English throne and threatening an invasion. This agreement between Harthacanute and Magnus would have a long-lasting effect on England. However, in the year 1047, Magnus would die without an heir, and Harold would then become the sole ruler of Norway. During this time, Edward the Confessor, who had been exiled just like Harold by the same man Canute the Great, was now the King of England due to the death of both of Canute's sons, Harold Harefoot and Harthacanute. The time of the Viking kings of England was over, as the throne was firmly back in the hands of the House of Wessex. His coronation took place at Winchester Cathedral on the 3rd of April in the year 1043. A jubilant atmosphere welcomed the Saxon king back to his kingdom after decades of Viking rule. As king, Edward would find it prudent to deal with his mother, Emma of Normandy, who had abandoned him in his time of need, and favoured his half-brother, Hearthcanute, whom she groomed to be king. In November of the same year, Edward saw fit to deprive her of her property, 
an act of personal vengeance against a mother he felt never really supported him. She died in the year 1052. During Edward's reign, he was faced with some problems. In the 1050s, Edward pursued an aggressive and generally successful policy in dealing with Scotland and Wales. In 1053, Edward ordered the assassination of a South Welsh prince in reprisal for a raid on England, and the prince's head was delivered to Edward. Edward had grown up in exile in Normandy, and this would show one of the most tangible displays of Norman influence was the creation of Westminster Abbey. The construction began in 1042, and the building was eventually consecrated in 1065. The building represented the first Norman church, and even though it was later demolished in favour of Henry VIII's construction, it would play a major role in developing a style of architecture all around the country of England. Unfortunately for Edward, his position was severely compromised by the power held by the earls, in particular Godwin of Wessex, Leofric of Mercia and Siward of Northumbria. In time, the earls would grow increasingly irate at the clear demonstrations of Norman favouritism exhibited by the king. The most powerful of all the Saxon barons was Earl Godwin, who had been very influential in Canute the Great's government, and had become even more powerful after his death. Godwin had been involved in the death of Edward's older brother, Alfred, being in league with Harold Harefoot, the King of England at the time. Godwin was Edward's rival for much of his reign. In an attempt at reconciliation, a marriage was arranged between Godwin's daughter and Edward, but it produced no children. The tension between Earl Godwin and King Edward boiled over when Edward chose a Norman to be the Archbishop of Canterbury instead of Godwin's relative. The Archbishop then accused Godwin of plotting to murder the king. With the help of the other earls, and with Godwin's men unwilling to go up against the king, he outlawed Godwin and his family, which included Edward's own wife Edith, who was forced into a nunnery. The plot backfired, however, largely because Edward's Norman advisers were unpopular, even with the Saxons who first supported him. Godwin and his sons were furious by these developments, and in 1052, they returned to England with a mercenary army. Negotiations between the King and the Earl were conducted with the help of the Bishop of Winchester. The Norman Archbishop of Canterbury left England and was declared an outlaw. At a meeting of the King's Council, Godwin cleared himself of the accusations brought against him, and Edward would restore his land, offices and titles and received Edith once more as his queen. Godwin now forced Edward the Confessor to send his Norman advisers home. Godwin now had more power than ever, and from this point on, Godwin and the king were open rivals. Edward knew that Godwin was grooming his son Harold to assume the throne on his death, since his marriage had produced no children. In the latter half of Edward's reign, the political picture began to alter, and Edward was distancing himself from the political fray. The Godwin family would subsequently control much of England, 
whilst Edward withdrew. By 1053, Godwin had died, leaving his legacy to his son, Harold Godwinson, who became responsible for dealing with rebellion from the Welsh. Harold would drive back the Welsh and would bring stability to the land by the sword. Edward, the King of England, had heard that his nephew known as Edward the Exile, the son of the fallen King Edmund Ironside, was alive. King Edward would recall him to England in 1056. Edward the Efling offered the last chance of an undisputed succession with the Saxon royal house. News of Edward's existence came at a time when the old Anglo-Saxon monarchy was restored after a long period of Viking domination. The confessor, personally devout but politically weak and childless, was unable to make an effective stand against Harold Godwinson. From across the channel, William, the Duke of Normandy, also had an eye on the succession. Edward the Exile appeared at just the right time, approved by both the King and the Witten, and he was a direct male descendant of Alfred the Great and the House of Wessex. In 1054, Edward sent the Bishop of Worcester to the court of the German Emperor to set in motion negotiations with the King of Hungary for the return of Edward the Exile. Edward the Exile would finally arrive in England in 1057 with his wife and children, but he would die within a few days on the 19th of April without ever meeting the King. In the year 1065, Edward the Confessor became very ill and he would die on the 5th of January in the year 1066. Several people claimed that they should be the next King of England. The claims to the throne of these men were based on blood ties, oaths, kinship and links to earlier kings. Each claim to the throne was strong. There was Edgar the Etheling. According to the lineage system, he was the rightful heir. However, by 1066, he had a weakened power base, his family's lands and wealth being nothing but a memory. There was also Harold Godwinson, who was the head of the House of Wessex. Wessex was the richest and most powerful part of England. Harold himself was well known in court. He had acted for Edward the Confessor and had fought in many battles. He was the most trusted military commander in England. In addition, according to legend, it is also thought that his ancestor was Ethelred, the King of Wessex, and older brother to Alfred the Great, with the crown only passing his direct line due to Ethelred's son Ethelwald being too young to rule at the time, due to the threat of the great heathen army. In Norway, Harald Hardrada also laid claim to the throne of England. According to him, Edward the Confessor had usurped his nephew, King Magnus the Good. Magnus had been named as the heir to the Danish throne by King Harthacnut after an agreement, and Magnus believed that this accord extended to the English throne as well. Edward had simply taken the throne before Magnus, who would die childless. Magnus's co-king of Norway was Harald Hardrada, until Magnus's death, in which Harald became the sole king of Norway. 
Hardrada now believed the crown of England was rightfully his, as he was his nephew Olaf's heir, and Edward, the man who had usurped Magnus, was now dead. Another claimant to the throne was William, the Duke of Normandy. He claimed that not only had Edward designated him to be the next king, but that Harold Godwinson had sworn under oath that he would support William in his claim to the throne. There was also the relationship that existed between Normandy and England. Emma of Normandy was the great aunt of William, and Edward the Confessor had spent most of his life in exile in the Norman court. The day after Edward the Confessor's death, there was a meeting of the Witten to decide who would become the next King of England. The Witten was made up of a group of many lords and bishops, and they considered the merits of the main four candidates, William the Duke of Normandy, Harold Godwinson, Edgar the Etheling, and Harold Hardrada. On the 6th of January, 1066, the Witten decided that Harold Godwinson was to be the next King of England. Harold's brother Tostig was the Earl of Northumbria, and he developed a great reputation as a strong military leader. At the time, Northumbria was a lawless state, and men were forced to travel in parties of twenty to protect themselves from attackers or robbers. Tostig imposed new laws and captured all robbers and punished them with mutilation or death. The strategy was successful in Northumbria, and the land came firmly under his control. In 1065, the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle reported that Harold's brother Tostig, the Earl of Northumbria, was guilty of robbing, depriving men of their lands and lives, and acting against the law. In October, a group of rebels supported by Earl Edwine of Mercia and his brother Morcar broke into Tostig's residence in York and killed those of his soldiers who did not escape. The rebels then nominated Morcar as their earl. As a result, Tostig would be banished. Harold Godwinson needed to retain his throne, as William of Normandy had openly declared his intention to take it, so he exiled Tostig as he needed to ensure that the northern earl stayed loyal to him. Tostig, however, would plot vengeance against his brother Harold. In March of the year 1066, Harold Hardrada began assembling an army. En route, he stopped at the Norwegian-held islands of Shetland and Orkney, where he collected additional troops. In southern Scotland, he also met up with Tostig's ally, Malcolm III of Scotland, who gave him around 2,000 Scottish soldiers. Tostig was Harold Godwinson's brother, who was reputed for his strong military might, but was exiled from England for going against the law of the land, and was bitter, and his brother was now the King of England, and had not recalled him from his exile. So, he made contact with King Harold Hardrada of Norway, and persuaded him to invade England. One of the sagas claims that he sailed for Norway and greatly impressed the Norwegian king and his court, managing to sway a decidedly unenthusiastic Hardrada, who had just concluded a long and inconclusive war with Denmark, into raising a levy to take the throne of England. 
Hardrada would soon arrive in England and would begin plundering the coast. His army then arrived at Scarborough in Northumbria, where the locals began to resist. Not wanting to waste any time, the Vikings burnt the town to the ground, which led the other towns to surrender. News of the Northmen quickly reached Earl Morcar of Northumbria and Earl Edwin of Mercia, who assembled an army and fought against Harold just south of York at the Battle of Fulford. The English would strike first, advancing on the Norwegian army before it could fully deploy. Morcar's troops would push Harold back into the marshland, but Harold brought more of his troops from the right flank to attack the centre. Even though the Viking invaders were outnumbered, they forced the Anglo-Saxons to give ground. Meanwhile, other Viking forces were still arriving to the battleground, and they found a way to get around the thick of the fighting, and opened a third front against the Anglo-Saxons, who were now outnumbered and outmaneuvered. The English army was defeated and took heavy losses, while the Viking force lost less than a thousand men. York surrendered to Harold Hardrada. His army would retire to Stamford Bridge, seven miles east of York, to await for the arrival of hostages. Harold Godwinson would soon learn of the Viking invasion, and he would head north at great speed, travelling day and night. He made his journey from London to York, which is around 200 miles in only four days on foot. This gave Harold Godwinson the element of surprise, as Hardrada and his Viking army had no idea the King of England was so close. Until the Viking army physically saw the Anglo-Saxon army, they were completely unaware of their presence. Harold Hardrada's army had no idea what hit them. Completely caught by surprise, on the morning of the 25th of September, the English army ran straight downhill into the Viking enemy forces. Many of them were completely unaware and hadn't even put on their armour. This surprise attack would culminate in the Battle of Stamford Bridge. The Vikings appear to have quickly formed a defensive position in the front line, while the bulk of the army retreated across the bridge to the eastern bank of the Derwent River. The Norsemen who stood and bought time for the others were quickly cut down, but one man emerged from them and would stand guard on the bridge, awaiting the ferocity of the English enemy forces. According to legend, one lone axeman held the bridge against the whole English army, allowing his fellow Vikings to regroup and form a shield wall. It is said that he was a Viking berserker. Having gone through the process, in which he abandoned his humanity by bonding with the savage world, going beyond the confines of humanity and fighting with an indescribable fury, having attained this legendary state, which was perfect for war. With the bridge being narrow, not many soldiers could fit through, so the berserker could fight to the fullest. Englishmen would advance towards the Viking berserker, only to be met by a swift death. The Norseman wielded his two-handed great axe and would swing it savagely, killing all men in his path. But as one Englishman died, another would run over his corpse and would fight the berserker. In the end, 40 Anglo-Saxon warriors were slain on the bridge, 
with the berserk having turned the river red with Saxon blood. Eventually, an English soldier floated just under the Viking warrior in a half-barrel and stabbed the berserker in the groin, bringing him to his knees, allowing the English to slay the legendary warrior and cross the bridge. According to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, this is what happened during the battle. The Northmen fled from the English. There was one there of the Norwegians who withstood the English people, so that they might not pass over the bridge, nor obtain the victory. Then, an Englishman aimed at him with a javelin, but availed nothing, and then came another under the bridge, and pierced him terribly inwards under the coat of mail. The Viking berserker fought valiantly, and has now gone down in legend. Nevertheless, even a berserker is no match for an English army. The unnamed warrior fell, and Hardrada's forces prepared for an onslaught. This delay allowed the bulk of the Norse army to form a shield wall to face the English attack. Harold Godwinson's army poured across the bridge, forming a line just short of the Norse army. They locked shields and charged. The battle went far beyond the bridge itself, and although it raged on for hours, the Norse army's decision to leave their armour behind them left them at a distinct disadvantage. Eventually, the Norse army began to fragment and fracture, allowing the English troops to force their way in and break up the Scandinavian shield wall. Harold Hardrada, having more experience in war than any other man on the battlefield, got stuck into the thick of the fighting. The 50-year-old veteran grasped his longsword with both hands, and with no armour, ran into the English army. Death wasn't on his mind, as he had faced it many times before, and he fought with no fear. He perhaps himself entered into the state of the berserker, fighting valiantly with no armour or shield. However, completely outflanked in the chaos of battle, Hardrada was killed with an arrow, which flew across the battlefield and pierced his windpipe. Harold Hardrada, the most accomplished warrior present, was struck in the throat with an arrow, and there at Stamford Bridge, he bled out and died. Harold Godwinson's brother Tostig was also slain in the battle. With Harold Hardrada's death, the Viking Age came to an end, as did the Viking threat to English lands. The final stand of the Berserker has gone down in legend, as did the last stand of King Harald Hardrada of Norway. However, the claimants of the English crown were still hungry for the throne. Not long after the defeat of Hardrada, William the Duke of Normandy would cross the English Channel, with his intention being conquest. It seems Harold Godwinson was the king of a land ravaged by war, due to Edward the Confessor not having a clear heir upon his death. Regardless, the times where the Norsemen would sail to England to make their wealth and become kings was now over. I hope you all enjoyed the video. If you did, make sure to like, subscribe and share, and I'll see you all soon for another History Profile.